not only because they give me goosebumps watching whoever this person is who's you know experienced that and who's sharing it with the world but also because of all the momentum I see happening in the comments readers who are like inspired by it and want to try it for themselves or they're kind of like in the comments high-fiving whoever that person is or chit-chatting with each other so I think that's one of the the beautiful things that a brand like ours has the power to do is to spotlight real women who are doing extraordinarily inspirational things and they're just an everyday human you know we love celebrities too and so do our readers but I'm talking about the like person you don't know like in the midwest who's just like gutting it out at her like YMCA or wherever it is and then to see that community that we've created where our readers are feeding off of one another and then going off into their own worlds and trying new things because of it. So I'm super inspired by beginners and I have a, a great passion and love of fitness personally, but I think that really you can apply that to all facets of life. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author and entrepreneur and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage I'm your host, Doug Bopst, and today's guest is Liz Plosser. Liz is the editor-in-chief of Women's Health, where she oversees the brand across its print and digital platforms and various brand extensions, reaching an audience of 47-plus million women monthly. Liz has been in the wellness industry for more than 18 years, previously overseeing digital strategy as SVP of content at Well and Good, and prior to that, serving as the senior director of content and communications at SoulCycle. And before that, she helped earn Cosmopolitan its first ever National Magazine Award at the helm of the global brand's health coverage. Liz was also the editorial director of Cosmo Body, an on-demand subscription fitness channel. Today, Liz appears regularly as a speaker and is a frequent guest on national television. Her first book, Own Your Morning, was released by Hearst Home in September 2021, and the paperback edition just got released recently. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Liz Plosser to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Liz, welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. You and I had an amazing like pre-call as we kind of discussed like the, the vision for the conversation. And as everybody who's listening to this by now knows, you're the editor-in-chief of, of Women's Health and you help, you kind of oversee the entire brand. And it's probably like one of the biggest, if not the biggest media outlets in that sector of like the women's health category. And obviously you have a lot to do with this, but I guess I wanted to get your opinion as somebody who oversees all of this, like what's your view of the current landscape as far as like media, as it pertains to women's health? Like, what do you think are some things that are going really well? And what are a few things that you see need some improvement? Oh, Starting with a bang. I love it. <laughs> well, let's see. Let's start with the good stuff. One thing that I love is just the explosion of interest in health and fitness and nutrition, and especially in recent years, mental health. 
you know, when I when I started out as a junior editor, I've worked in the wellness space for many years. And my first job was uh, at 24 as an editorial assistant. And it was very different, you know, hunting down story ideas and reporting them and reporting on new things. Not that there wasn't new stuff happening. There was plenty happening. But reflecting on where I was then versus where I am now and just the number of businesses and entrepreneurs and new products and gadgets and technology and the access to information, it has changed wildly. And with it, or maybe because of it, because women and humans in general are more and more interested in leveling up their their health and feeling better in mind, body, and emotionally. You know, that is that has just created a lot of awesome content out, out there and a lot of awesome products. And that I love to see. I am so heartened by it. Perhaps the flip side of the coin and maybe uh, kind of what you were alluding to, what do I see in this landscape that maybe gives me pause, is that with all of that information out there, there's a lot of misinformation. And I would say one of the things I am probably most proud of or at the very tip top of the list for women's health is that since our founding, we've been a science-backed brand. We are evidence-based. We consult multiple experts for every story. We always get the full research study. So I feel really good and can sleep at night knowing that we stand by our words, the content that we're putting out, our articles, you know, on social media, across all our platforms, digitally and print, video, all the things that really passes muster. It's been it's been through a rigorous process of reporting and fact checking. So I feel good about that. And I love that our readers can trust us and that they can count on us to tell them the truth and to really ask the right questions of um, all these things that are out there. But there's a lot of content out there that doesn't go through that rigorous of a you know process before the publish button is pressed. And so that concerns me for sure. I could go on and on about this, but like I said, misinformation, confusion, myths that people sort of take for face value because they saw a story about it or a social media post about it. And so I can only control what I can control, which is what I personally put out and what our brand puts out. But it's something I think about a lot. Yeah. And I love how passionate you are about all of this. And not that just that you're passionate about it. You're like in the trenches yourself. Like you are a fellow like health and fitness aficionado, like somebody who loves like, you know, staying on top of all things health and wellness. You're listening to podcasts, you're learning, you're doing a lot of reading. So that way you can stay up to date, not only on things to better your own health, but to see like what people are reading, what people are checking out. And you mentioned that women's health and what you put out, it goes through like a rigorous like vetting process to make sure everything that's in there is backed by science. And I think along those lines, we know like media is a business, like women's health has to make money by by ads and by readership and by people like viewing and watching like the content. So where do you draw the line between like, like how do you come up with a catchy headline that'll like hook somebody to actually want to read the article or watch the video or listen to the story without it misrepresenting what the article is about? Yeah, well, words and visuals matter so much and that you're exactly right that you've got a split second to sort of capture your potential audience's attention and to to get them to engage. And that's what we want to do because we have awesome content that's really solid and could um 
you know, really teach them something or inspire them or potentially change their lives. So that is our goal is to help them engage with that content so they can take that next step and implement it in their lives. So, you know, I think there's a a misconception that health content has to be sterile and dry, especially when it's science backed. There's that that can be, um, you know, a crutch that some outlets fall off into or that, you know, writers grapple with. And we are very colorful in our reporting and our, we call it display copy. So the headlines that you're talking about, but we also want to have fun and be accessible. And I think as you're asking that question, I'm just thinking about like the energy of the brand, even like the colors, like if women's health was a color, it'd be like bright yellow, like energy and sunshine. Um, you know, it depends on the platform, but we have room to play and to use art and fonts and colors and our brilliant editors who are wordsmiths and know how women are talking and interacting with each other across all these different platforms that they're using. What, you know, what is the language and the vernacular right now? Who are the the celebrities they're interested in? What are the workouts or the, you know, the recipes that are intriguing, that they're curious about. And that's kind of the way I think about pulling in our readers. And when you have awesome content and really smart writers, you don't honestly, the brand is doing very well and our, our growth is on the up and up, which is wonderful. And it's not because we're, we're tricking readers with clickbait. You know, I don't want to say that that's easy or it's no problem because of who we are. You know, that takes, that takes work. And I, I just like to take it a step further. I think for me, what worries me perhaps even more than the clickbaitness of it all, which doesn't really concern me because I know our, our team doesn't, we're not doing that. We're not in that business of tricking people and trying to get them to click on something when the story is actually about something else. But it's really in being, in being careful with our, our language and knowing what a responsibility we have because of our reach and because our readers trust us. And so to be really thoughtful when we're talking about things is gravitas is your your health and your well-being and your mental health. So I would say we put just as much energy and thought and effort into that wording and those visuals as we do the other stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I love your honesty and transparency about it. And I think there is this certain energy that you've created with women's health where it just separates it from the other ones because women's health has been around for a while and it's progressively gotten bigger, I would say. And there's been so many other pop-up like media outlets in the health and wellness space that have kind of come along in the last decade or so. And you just see some of those just kind of fall off or they're like a one-off thing. And I think it's just because readers, they like going to a place where they know they're getting the right information and that it feels like it's aligned with them. And I feel, I feel like women's health does a good job of not only making the content fun and engaging, but helping the person who's reading it feel like that they're being seen and being heard and being validated for where they're at instead of just posting like crazy workouts that they could never do or these insane diets that are impossible for the average person to achieve. Or I can go on and on with, with these different examples. And And the reason I bring up the headline thing is because as a personal trainer, like I see this a lot in a practical sense where I have clients coming to me all the time, they'll read some headline or they'll see some story or whatever. And I'm like, did you even read the article? Like what they said has nothing to do with anything. And it's just like, they might be, might be something that's clickbait and then like a short editorial or article that 
really doesn't say too much, but they grab the attention of the reader and therefore now they can justify getting more ad dollars and stuff like that. So, uh, and I'm, cause I think at the end of the day, like you're right, like you want the readers to read the content because it's great content. It's going to help people. And at the same time, you want to make sure that you're staying true to integrity of your brand and, and yourself. And I think outside of all of this, there's just so much information out there between social media, between different health magazines, between different news outlets that people will watch on TV or even online. What is some advice that you have for the average like reader who's like just sifting through social media, the average like maybe a mom like who's just trying to figure it all out? Like, do you have any tips for that person to make sure that they're getting the right type of information? Ah, yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I mean, I think for starters, maybe as a baseline, and I'm thinking particularly about social media, because I think that's where a lot of people are entering this space right now. And kind of what you were talking about, the clickbaity, the fad, I saw it here, I heard this person say X, Y, or Z, is to kind of consider the source. And does the source have a vested interest in promoting this product, this thing, this study, this person, this whatever? And it's not necessarily bad if they do, but to be aware of what it is and to, you know, sort of weigh that as you're considering what content is being served up. You know, thankfully, there's a lot more rules about disclosing that when there are partnerships and things like that. But, um, you know, a good source will say when they have some sort of relationship or vested interest in discussing whatever it is. And we even think about that when we're reading studies, you know, if I'm kind of obsessed with glucose right now. So say I'm reading a study about glucose or insulin or spikes after meals. I mean, it would be great if the person you're talking about could actually Google the study and get look at the full PDF or abstract for themselves. I recognize most people are not going to do that. That's why writers and editors like me and the rest of the team at Women's Health exist. But if you did, I mean, they're very easy to find these days using search engines and those things. It is uh, mandated that they disclose if, say, like the potato board, you know, is a partial funder of the study or some such that kind of in the same lines, like. There are lots of different ways that your information can be influenced. So that's a big start. I think I would start with those things. Consider the source. If something sounds too good to be true or a claim that kind of blew your mind, again, doesn't mean that it's not going to turn out to be accurate and authentic or that your mind shouldn't be blown by it. But those are other sort of like, I would say like trust your spidey sense. Those are good indicators that your brain and what you know about the world and what you've learned leading up to that point, they're signaling to you, maybe there's more to the story. Like, take a pause here. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Organifi. As you know, Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers that contain less than 3 grams of sugar per serving. Recently, I have been loving the refreshing taste of the new Organifi green juice, Crisp Apple. That's right, Crisp Apple. It comes with all the benefits you've come to love in the classic green juice with a new juicy twist. Enjoy the same fan-favorite nourishing ingredients such as ashwagandha, moringa, spirulina, and chlorella designed to hydrate, energize, and support cortisol balance. The new green juice crisp apple is made with organic, wholesome, hand-picked apples. 
and tastes like a fresh, juicy slice in every sip, making it the first of its kind the whole family will absolutely love. It's only available for a limited time, so make sure to stock up now and take advantage of this nourishing green juice that tastes absolutely divine. So go to www.organifi.com backslash Doug and use code Doug for 20% off your order. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com backslash Doug and use code Doug for 20% off any item. Now back to the show. And then again, I would go back to what I kind of started with, which is back to the sourcing, you know, find sources you trust and who have your best interest in heart. There are brands and it's not just women's health. There are lots of other awesome brands and people and podcasts out there who, who have pure intentions and really just want to use um, science and their experience to share and help people live healthier, happier lives. And then like, you know, those keep going back to those wells, those trusted people and kind of put it through the litmus test of them have, has women's health written about this just um, kind of a, a quick story, or this reminds me of something you asked just a second ago in terms of clickbait headlines. We are not really at, at Women's Health in the business of bashing things. Like there's just so much awesome stuff to talk about and great things to inspire our readers with that I would rather take our editors' times and our readers' time sharing the good stuff that's going to make a positive difference in their life. By the same token, I understand there are lots of wellness fads and news that you might hear about or those headlines that you referred to that people hear about and are like, wait, what? And so part of our responsibility in some ways is when things reach a certain inflection point, we kind of got to go there and like look under the hood and dissect it, if only to share our perspective to readers and we're really, again, not out to say X, Y, or Z thing is awful and it's bad and it's a waste of your time, it's a waste of your money. We're like, here's what the science says. And here's what this expert who has spent their career researching this thing says. So yeah, go to sources that you trust. I don't want to suggest that you shouldn't keep an open mind and continuing continue to consume new sources and look for, for new places. But when you find people or outlets that resonate because of their authenticity, their truth, their mandate to tell the facts, then those are the good ones. Right. You made some some great points there, Liz. And one thing that came to mind as I was listening to you share that is that a lot of times when people are feeling like kind of in a vulnerable state, they're unhappy with their health, they're looking for like these quick solutions. And so they'll go to social media, they'll go to websites and they'll be they'll see some headline or something that's like oh like lose weight in this amount of time or take this supplement to achieve this and they're like oh my i found my people like they get me they know me and i'm going to buy this because it's going to fix my problems and what i invite people to do is to not respond like when you're in an emotional state and you're like great great point yeah you're supercharged right because when you're responding with emotion you're going to in many cases do whatever you can to feel better in that moment like just maybe practice the pause, take a sidestep, take a day or two, and then go back. And if you're in a state where you're thinking more logically, you can say, all right, like, does this really seem like a smart purchase or a, a smart investment in my health? Yes or no. And I think when you get to that place, you're going to be more, you're going to be more likely to make a decision that's in line with your future goals. I love that. I think, I think that's really awesome advice to, to remind people to, to pause and reflect before they give their credit card number or share it with, you know, everybody in their circle and, and spread that that link around. 
And I think what you're also describing is this tendency we have as humans for something called confirmation bias, which is when you want the quick fix or you want to believe that a pill or a seven minute workout, actually there's great benefit to that seven minute workout the New York Times did. So I won't say seven minute workout. The, the seven day plan is going to help you lose blah, 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 or change your health in blah, blah, blah way. You want to believe it. So you're going to find find the articles and the backup to support it. And we have to recognize that in ourselves and kind of like force ourselves to be more open-minded and gather more evidence. Right. Because your brain will rationalize anything. Like you can rationalize anything. And what happens is like you kind of described it, you'll begin to go down this rabbit hole. Like once you see something, you're like, ah, that kind of makes sense. Then you're like, yeah, it really does make sense. Then the more like you think about it and your, your brain just becomes fixated on it. You're like, all right, like that's it. Like this is my solution and it's confirmed. They get me. And then you'll end up like getting linked to some other site that has a similar product just because of the way that the algorithms of the internet work. And you're like, oh my gosh, see, I knew I was right, but they don't understand that this is all like a game to like get you to, to keep going down the, the funnel of buying more stuff. Maybe along the same lines of the too good to be true that it probably is. Like the best things in life are going to take some work. You know, it's a, it's rare that it's just easy peasy, didn't have to break a sweat or put in any effort. And I would be highly skeptical of anything or anyone who tells you otherwise that you can, that there's a, a shortcut. One of the things that I think kind of dovetails or goes along the same lines as what we've been talking about these last few minutes, and you and I talked about this on our call, was the current like state of diet culture right now. And like the fear mongering that exists. And this is where I think that you said you don't, you know, you're the, the goal of women's health obviously isn't to bash things. But at the same time, it reaches this inflection point where it's like, all right, like we got to step up and kind of break some of these things down because now our readers are like scared to drink water. Now our readers are like scared to eat protein. Now our readers are scared to go for a walk. We know that this isn't true and it's actually like causing harm in more people. So we need to kind of step in and, and help. And I feel like it, as social media has gotten bigger, as there's been more stuff that's information come out, I think the diet culture has progressively gotten worse. I think it's almost become political in a way where it's it could be very polarizing at times. From the positive, I mean, we could spend all day talking about like what caused it, and I'd rather not go down that rabbit hole. The rabbit hole I'd rather go down is like the future and how can we get better. So you're obviously, from a publication standpoint, you're at the, the forefront of all of this with with women's health. And there's people that are listening to this that maybe have a podcast or maybe people listening to this that talk about health and wellness on social media. Like as a whole, like how can we do better to make sure that we're helping like the people that we're serving and not making them more afraid of food to eat? I'm glad you brought this up. And, you know, I, I began working at Women's Health in this role about four and a half years ago. And a little bit before I arrived, my predecessor and, and the team before me had made a decision to sunset those archaic and yet wasn't so long ago cover lines that you would see things like, you know, lose 10 pounds in two weeks or, you know, get a bikini body in X many days. And I was very happy to kind of pick up the baton and carry it forward and, and continue in that zone of, yeah, we are not going to do that. Because like I said earlier, Words matter and visuals matter. And I take that really seriously. I also, I have three kiddos, including an 11 year old daughter. And so I think about this stuff a lot and how I speak about my body and 
what I'm saying in women's health to all the women out there and all the the 11-year-old Lucy's or, you know, up and however old they are, because they're impressionable. And like you mentioned, a lot of us are coming to this content in a vulnerable frame of mind. And so that means choosing words carefully. It means being thoughtful about the visuals, who's telling the story, who's photographing the story. It means sharing a variety of body types, of types of bodies, skill levels, able-bodied, disabled bodies, ethnicities, religions, different families, all those things. And I think all of that together, that inclusive content that shows difference, that actually the difference that is the actual world that we live in, that helps people see themselves, I believe, in this space. And I think that's like a great place to start because health is for everybody. It should be. In addition to that, you know, I think about our, our May-June issue that had Hillary Duff on the cover with, you know, it was across all the platforms, but that was our body issue. And Hillary covered, covered the issue and got a lot of buzz, which made my heart happy. <laughs> a lot of, I think a lot of people got it and, and the vulnerability she shared. But there were also, there was a big portfolio inside that showed a variety of women, different, as I said, bodies, ethnicities, different stories, backgrounds. But the whole point of it, what we were really trying to do was to have these women create a place that was safe for them, that they would share with us how they think about their bodies. And it's not all going to be like body positivity, like my body, I love my body. I mean, yes, hopefully there's some of that in our lives, but that's kind of like not being true and authentic to our experience as human beings. And so sharing some of the hardships and struggles, but also to give their experience, their strength, like a note of hope and inspiration for the, the readers that hopefully they could see themselves in that. So it was really about sort of like the relationship between internal strength and external strength. So that's one example of how recently we're talking about these things. And then the last thing I'll say on this, which we dabbled in a, just a smidge when we talked. I also want to be really clear that women's health is not like against weight loss. We have lots of readers who are interested in losing some weight that they would feel better. They would feel healthier. They would feel more confident if they lost a few pounds. And we are right there to hold their hand and take them, be on that journey with them and give them healthy tools and suggestions and ideas and support on that journey as well. And um, I don't know if this is what you meant. And this is almost a little bit charged to say, right, what I'm about to say, which is I don't think we should demonize weight loss. I don't think that it's there's anything wrong with a woman being interested in improving her health in that way. And I also don't think there's anything wrong with a woman who doesn't want to change her weight or who wants to gain weight. I think we come to this at all different places. And what I wish and what women's health really wants to do is to say, like, we're all just humans doing the best we can. And let's like support each other in each of our unique journeys. And I really think of our content as choose your own adventure more than anything. Like, Take what's going to resonate. You can leave the rest. Like maybe you need this today. Maybe this is going to work for you, but not your sister or your best friend. And um, that's going to look really different and uniquely, beautifully so different for each and every one of us, which is the whole point. But last thing, <laughs> I'm on my soapbox now, 
And that is, I do think it's important when we talk about weight loss and we do have, we refer to internally and externally as transformation stories, which is kind of how I like to think about them, to make sure that we're highlighting and featuring front and center early on how this person, how their mental and emotional health changed, but also how their physical health changed. You know, if they ended up, um, if they're recovering from an eating disorder and put on 15 pounds of, you know, through nutritious, life-nourishing foods, you know, what health markers changed? Did it affect their relationships? Were they able to be more social? You know, so just like, it's not just, it's, it's actually not almost entirely not about the number on the scale. It's about all the other good stuff that happens when you prioritize your health. Now you're speaking my language and you said so many good things and I kind of want to unpack it a little bit just to kind of reflect it back maybe to the audience. I know one of the things that you said that, that struck me that I think was is so important is that it's like relatability. And if you're just constantly posting like photos and stories of the, the person who is ultra fit and is super lean, super ripped, like doing like the crazy exercises, like the average person, they're going to feel overwhelmed. And they're say, there's no way I'm going to be able to get there. Like I can barely like walk 15 minutes today. I can barely do a set of 10 pushups. I can barely like, you know, eat my vegetables for the day. How am I ever going to get to that place? And I think like you said, it's important to feature different people along their journey. And the other thing that I, I think you said that is, gosh, I couldn't agree with you more on is this the body positivity movement and how like something that's well-intended I think has just gone too far in that it's healthy to lose weight. Like weight loss can be a healthy thing if you're somebody who is obese and facing like health crisis or somebody who just isn't happy with the way they look at themselves in the mirror and they want to lose weight to look better. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with like being like, like, all right, like I've let myself go and I'm angry about it. I'm upset that I have just not done the things I said I should do or that I have become. You stop prioritizing yourself. Right. Yeah. And that that's super valid to be upset with that. And I think the, the other thing that is important too, is that just because somebody has different health goals and you doesn't mean that that's bad. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with that. Yes. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I agree. And perhaps that's kind of what was in the back of my brain. There's so much judging. There's so much awesomeness happening on social media, but there's so much judging. And it's like, no one can win, you know? And I always like to think like, everyone's got their shit in the background and like, they're doing this for different reasons. They're putting it out there for different reasons. And like, let's just be kind to one another and stop judging what you're eating, what your workout is, what your goal is, what your, you know, it's just, it can be, oh, it, it kind of breaks my heart sometimes. Yeah, it does. And I think like, aside from the judging, like this, the positivity thing kind of parallels this unhealthy environment. I think we've kind of crossed into where we're taught that we should just be positive and happy all the time, that life's never going to be hard. And that's just not realistic. Like there's going to be times where you make a mistake and you're like, man, like I'm angry at myself because I shouldn't have done that. Or there's going to be times where you hit a moment of adversity and life just isn't easy and you're upset and you're stressed. And like, that's normal. If you weren't like stressed and anxious, like you might want to go to the hospital because you don't have a pulse if like, you're going through something that's challenging. And, and like you said, I just think there needs to be a lot less judgment and a lot, a lot more support for where people are at on their journey. And not shaming somebody for where they're at. And, and also alongside of that, like just because somebody 
is doing something that's different than you that you shouldn't then just force like your beliefs and your values as far as how you feel about handling health and wellness on somebody else and just let them kind of run their own race. Correct. I agree. Yeah. If we could kind of bring that ethos of like everyone gets to choose their own adventure, it's their life, you know, and we can offer suggestions and ideas and motivation and support and information, but, um, shouldn't offer judgment. We shouldn't be mean to each other. That's for sure. Right. Absolutely. And as far as like inspiration goes, I know that your career, your profession, what you do a lot on social media is to inspire others to choose their own path, choose their own adventure on their health journey to become better versions of themselves. What's like um, something that has inspired you maybe from the women's health perspective, whether it was an article that somebody wrote that you happened to read, or maybe it was a letter you got from a reader. Like, is there anything that sticks out to you that really moved you? Oh, gosh, my, my readers are so inspiring. That's honestly the truth. My, the readers, nothing delights me more than when I go to one of our social media accounts, be it TikTok or Instagram, usually those two. And um, see the love in the comments, you know, especially when we've started posting a lot of content that really celebrates the beginner mindset. That's what I've been calling it. This is something our, our team is obsessed with, which makes sense because we're all about authenticity and accessibility. We do a lot of real women, first person stuff across all of our platforms. Those kind of messy, courageous, awkward moments when you begin a journey. They're quite dramatic in the fitness space because you just instantly get it when you you kind of like see a time lapse or, you know, however many days have passed of somebody trying a new skill or a challenge, uh, you know, signing up for a race or just starting to go to the gym. And you kind of see their confidence grow and uh, the light in their eyes shine and, and that transformation that happens. And I get so excited when we post those, not only because they give me goosebumps watching whoever this person is who's, you know, experienced that and who's sharing it with the world, but also because of all the momentum I see happening in the comments, readers who are like inspired by it and want to try it for themselves, or they're kind of like, in the comments, high-fiving whoever that person is or chit-chatting with each other. So I think that's one of the the beautiful things that a brand like ours has the power to do is to spotlight real women who are doing extraordinarily inspirational things and they're just an everyday human. You know, we love celebrities too and so do our readers, but I'm talking about the like person you don't know, like in the Midwest, who's just like gutting it out at her like YMCA or wherever it is. And then to see that community that we've created where our readers are feeding off of one another and then going off into their own worlds and trying new things because of it. So I'm super inspired by beginners and I have a a great passion and love of fitness personally, but I think that really you can apply that to all facets of life, relationships, work, boundary setting, cooking, like there's, there's so many ways to be a beginner and it's something I'm personally exploring and curious about. And that women's health is definitely going to keep doing as well. That's awesome. Because I think the people who are just starting, they have a hard time relating to the people that are like so far down their path because they're not there. So I think the more you can create the content and create 
the media around that beginner's mindset to help people who are just starting out on their journey, like feel like they're being seen and heard and they, they have some things to relate to. I think it's going to continue to inspire like more people to start their fitness journey. And one of the things that you touched on is your passion for mental health. And it's no secret that people are struggling right now with their mental health. And, and they have been, I, th I think, for years at this point, but it's progressively gotten worse. People are struggling with drug addiction. I know a lot of your readership is moms who maybe are struggling with addiction themselves, or they have kids that are struggling with addiction or spouses. Like, do you have plans at all in the foreseeable future for women's health to dive more into things like drug addiction, severe mental health issues and stuff like that? Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you asked about this. Mental health is um, part of the DNA of the brand and our coverage and exploration into it is just getting bigger and bigger every single year. And our readers are here for it. You know, we get amazing feedback, like more and more and more. And it, it seems really powerful and to to help them a lot. Specifically about substance abuse, I am particularly in interested in this topic, especially as it relates to the pandemic. I mean, I think substance abuse has sort of been a stigmatized thing, particularly for women, for many years. But I worry about what's happened during the pandemic. And we know from the data how much more people are drinking and using drugs. And we know what the, you know, the hospitalization and death numbers are looking like. It's an epidemic. It's really tragic. And... We know that mental health, a mental health issue affects one in four people, which means either you personally are suffering or you very likely are working next to somebody who is suffering or navigating this um, or somebody in your family or a friend is. And I think we, we're doing a really good job, not just women's health, but the world in general is this area is not such a dark corner anymore. It's being, you know, more light is shining there, which is awesome. But I think there's a lot more work to be done. And I think specifically in the substance abuse realm, there is more work to be done. So that was a very long way of saying we definitely, we do have plans. And since I last talked to you, I think we talked about this for a quick second. I'm like, we really want to. I can now assure you that it's coming, that we're going to, we're going to go deep and wide on this topic in the coming months. So stay tuned for that. Awesome. I'm looking forward to to seeing what comes out of that. And I, I, I guess right now, I kind of what I want to do is I want to shift gears. I know we've been talking a bit about the brand of women's health and diet culture and health and wellness in general. I want to focus on you a bit. So you're not just somebody that creates content and oversees this big brand that is women's health. You're also a consumer. You're also a mom. You're also a wife. You're also just somebody on your your own journey, if you will. Being that you are immersed in this industry and you're you, you're on social media a lot as well, and you're around other accounts that might be having more of an impact than you or might be having more of an impact in women's health, and I think we're all guilty of falling into the comparison trap. Like, what are some of your best practices for like staying focused in the midst of that and not falling into the comparison trap? Oh yeah, the comparison trap is dangerous. Well. I'm careful about what content I consume. I have absolutely no problem muting somebody if it's triggering me in some way. 
Maybe I, I need to get better at setting boundaries. I don't go so far as to unfollow them. God forbid they get hurt or like have an app where they like hear Liz unfollowed you. Not that anybody would care or should care about that. But you know what I mean? I just like turn it off if it's not serving me. And I'm pretty, pretty dogmatic about that. So that's the first thing I do. Yeah. I mean, listen, I am not perfect. I am a human work in progress with plenty of my own struggles and issues and problems. But I also do a lot of work on this stuff. You know, I see a therapist, I journal, I've gone down the rabbit hole of learning about DBT and doing worksheets. And, you know, I'm, I get curious when I feel triggered or there's physical sensations in my body when I'm comparing or in a dysregulated state, whether it's while scrolling through social media or in a work meeting or, you know, out about in the world or just hanging out with my wonderful husband. So that sounds very like woo-woo. It's not woo-woo. It's very scientific. That sounds like, what the heck is she talking about? But I'm, I'm like serious about that stuff. I spent too long not investigating why I was feeling or reacting certain ways. And my life has been immensely better since I started working on that stuff. And it really does work. But again, like I said, you've got to sweat a little bit. It doesn't come for free. Yeah, you got to sweat a little bit. You got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. You got to, like you said, do the work, go within and just kind of see like why this some of this is, is coming about and also like setting some some hard and firm boundaries to set yourself up for success so that you can kind of have that parameter created to kind of go in and do the work. And I know one of the other things that helps keep you grounded as well is your morning routine. And you get up hyper early, you're hyper focused in the mornings. And and I know that's something that is super meaningful to you. You you wrote a book about it that I know has helped a lot of people. But when it comes to morning routines, that's been kind of another trending topic as well over the last few years in the health and wellness space. Like for you, what do you think sets your routine apart from others and why it's been so successful for you? Ah, well, um, I'm glad you said that. Why it's so successful for you, whether it's with my book or the way people talk about morning routines, like many things in our world right now, this idea that there's a cookie cutter approach that like I saw Liz do it. So that's what I got to do. I just, I don't subscribe to that. I think we should embrace what's unique and different about ourselves. And so the easiest way I can answer your question is why is it successful for me? What differentiates it? Because I do stuff that lights Liz up. <laughs> it may not light Doug up or my, you know, friends up or my colleagues up, but it lights me up and that's what matters. And so that's what Own Your Morning is all about is I take the reader through a series of exercises. They're not too hard. Don't worry. But again, you got to do a teeny bit of work to help explore what their personal core values are. And once they've arisen, they've arrived at those, then I, I give them ideas, much like we would in women's health, for how to implement little micro nods, I call them, to those core values into their morning. So for me personally, number one, I start my day with a seven. Uh, my alarm always has a seven in it because that's my lucky number. I just believe in the power of numbers. I, sorry, Doug, there is not a study or a scientist who has told me this is like true. And so I have to like fully disclose that since uh, we're all about science at Women's Health. 
But um, I still, I think, like, why not start with a number that makes you happy? I love coffee, and I'm obsessed with just the ritual of it, the smell, hearing it brew, putting it in a, a ceramic mug I love. And then a huge part of my morning is fitness. And like, I would never do something big, like uh, record a podcast with somebody like you without having gotten my sweat in in the morning. It makes me feel clear eyed and calm and confident and kind of like a superhero. And that I have done maybe the hardest thing that's going, certainly the hardest physical thing, hopefully, that um, I will have to that day. And so I am ready to like, just literally get after it the rest of the day. There's other stuff like hanging out with my awesome dog, Willa, and my three children and my husband. And But I'd say those those first few things I mentioned, those are the keys to a Liz morning. I love it for several reasons. A, because of the kind of the stuff that you said that you included in yours, which I think is is a common theme for a lot of people. No matter what time of day they get up, I would say that the people who really implement this, the idea of a morning routine, it involves some form of movement, whether that's a walk with their dog, whether that's a walk by themselves, whether that's a workout. It involves like some sort of ritual where they're doing some reading, they're having their morning cup of coffee, their morning cup of tea, they're, they're doing something that kind of helps stimulate their mind and then kind of, it's just something they look forward to every morning. And also the, the most important thing is that it's individual to what works for you. Because I think like you said, we get this information sometimes and we think that everything has to like fit that mold when we are doing it. Like everything has to be a cookie cutter approach and we have to do it to a T to what that person says. And in reality, we have to just implement bits and pieces where we can and kind of fit that within our daily practice. And I think one of the things that throws people off at least that I've heard is that they'll they'll start like getting into to a discipline of getting up a little earlier, having some rituals, having some values they stick to, and then like life happens, and you know they have kids, they're married, they have a job, and like and then they just spiral and they end up just giving up on it because they just are so they're out of their routine. You're a mom, you have three kids, you got a dog, you got a husband, you got a job that keeps you hyper busy. How do you get yourself back on track like when you've fallen out of that discipline? Yeah, well, two things. One, I try very hard to give myself grace for those moments because nothing good has ever come from me beating myself up for it. The death spiral is a dangerous place for Liz to exist. So uh, I remember, I try to remember that and think about it. I can't remember where I heard this, so I cannot properly give credit. The idea for me is that, you know, a good morning is when I just did all those things I told you to. I exposed myself to sunlight. I got fresh air. I did my journaling. I made my gratitude list. My kids got to school on time. That's like such a good morning. Great mornings are when like my dog is sick and I have to call the vet and I can't find my daughter's new pair of shoes and... I miss a deadline, but I still, you know, get through my morning in one piece and got most of my stuff, Liz stuff done. That's like a great morning because that's like, that's real life. So one, grace. Two, I would say after you've sort of like had one of those moments where you go off the beam, get back on as soon as you can. Like the next morning is the most important. That's like your next chance to like get things back in check. And I, you can think about that with a workout, like life's going to happen. You're going to miss a workout or you're going to like not get in your macros or 
not nail the work presentation like you meant to because you didn't prepare enough, whatever it is. Like, okay, yep, that's data. You know what happened. Get back on the next time. Like, as soon as you can, your next opportunity. Before you, like, really, again, go into that that death spiral and you're, like, totally off. Such great words of wisdom there for people because I think that's, I mean, that's what trips people up. Like, no, I'm being honest is that, and I talk about this a lot, is that people can't accept the fact that just some days are going to be bad. Like, some days are just going to suck. But I think what happens is they fall down that, I think you hinted at it, that death spiral of, like, a bad day turns into a bad few days, bad few days turns into a bad week and a bad month. And you look back and you're like, what the hell happened? And it it all goes back to like not being able to kind of give yourself grace and accept the fact that you had that bad day. And then you respond poorly. Give yourself grace and then like say, okay, next opportunity tomorrow morning, whenever, as soon as you can, I'm going to do something about it. So lastly, I think since so many people are going to enjoy this conversation, you're awesome. And I think the insights you provided, not only on your own personal journey and tips and values and what you do with your own health, but what you have created and are continuing to create with women's health. I think people are going to want to buy your book. They're going to want to connect with you. Where's the best place for them to do that if they want to read your book and they want to follow you along on social media? Thanks, Doug. So my book, Own Your Morning, is available just newly in paperback now on amazon.com. You can get it hardback, paperback, and Kindle, so audio version. If you are interested in following me personally, I'm pretty darn active on Instagram. My handle is Liz Plosser. And of course, I would love it also if you would check out Women's Health. We are at womenshealthmag.com. And on social, we are at Women's Health Mag. Amazing. Well, I'll make sure to include the links to all of that in the show notes. And for those listening, what I invite you to do is to share a takeaway. Maybe it was something that that Liz said about the landscape of like the women's health media sector that exists. Maybe it was something that she said about what separates Women's Health Magazine from the rest. Maybe it was something that Liz said about her her own personal experience with how she sets boundaries and the comparison trap, her morning routine, whatever it was, share the takeaway, tag Liz, tag Women's Health, tag myself, because we'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and we'll see you next time.